2: goals to win for christ's sakes and you keep talking about the cbt you keep talking about prospects and your long-term goal like you just basically told us we ain't
0: good enough we suck you let us down Angry Lou. Angry lou. a hole the size of
2: i don't even know what in that bullpen keep playing like dog
0: Recall call my manager lou go
2: get me a goddamn first baseman that's what i want i don't want an outfielder d8 i need a first baseman okay lou i'll ask you something what How do you go into the season without a closer? How do you not address the closer situation?
0: Lou, what's up, Bill? Good, how are you doing? Good. Well, it's always great to have you here, Lou. That's right. It's noon. It's Friday. And that means it is time for the voice of baseball in Boston. (laughs) Our great friend Lou Merlone joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Lou, good afternoon. How are we doing, boys?
1: It was fun uh, yesterday, wasn't it, it, it? I was just going to say, I was wondering if it was going to be a calming voice because, you know, it was a, you know, happy opening day. So, I'm wondering if, you know, you're dealing with the hangover like the rest of the fans here in Boston. Well, yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, there was there was a lot of positive stuff. Unfortunately, where they're vulnerable, they got exposed. I mean, number one, you can't walk nine guys and win in the big leagues. Like It just it can't happen, especially when your philosophy is bringing in strike throws. And number two, it's like, you know, you're trailing five to two, so – you're not bringing in your studs. You know, everyone wanted Winkowski in right away. He's the only long guy you got. You don't do that down five to two. So what do you do? You go to two guys in Brazier and Ort. you know, that I think there's plenty of people wondering, you know, what is going on with those guys? You know, a lot of questions, how they survived the offseason. And that they're struggling right now. You know, Brazier, you um, know, has one good month last year, but, you know, that was, that was it in September. And Ort, he might throw almost 100, but he's not getting anybody out. So you got exposed. You know, with so, those two
1: guys in the pen. So, Lou, just clarify this for me, okay? So, if it's 5-2, is that basically the equivalent of, like, uh, you know, Joe Mazzula and the Celtics pulling their players with nine minutes left, like, assuming you're going to lose the game? No,
2: it's it's the unfortunate depth issue you have in your bullpen. It's just you're trailing 5-2, you know, and everyone's like, you know, go to Winkowski. All right, great. Let's say you don't score a run. You use Winkowski, you lose 6-2. To now, today, sale goes 5, and you're up 5-2 then what are you going to do? Go to Brazier and Ort when you're winning. So you have to make these decisions. And they are talking about like, I do Caleb Ort went one scoreless and you cut it to what? ten eight eight to five or 10 to five, whatever the hell it was. And it was like, yeah, but you're still losing. Like you need innings. And this is where guys like Bayo and Whitlock, not being ready and having to take how and Crawford, put them into the rotation. You're weak. Like you're, you're thin back there. And you're thin because of those two guys that you don't want in games, you know, that you have a chance. And, that's where just everything kind of came together It's it's, you know, one game into it. I feel like, even though Kluber wasn't good, but one game in, I feel like the bullpen's already got a loss on him.
0: Uh, Lou, what did you make of Kluber's performance yesterday?
2: Uncharacteristic, you know, like that's, and, and hopefully that's not him now. You know, I'm just basing on what we saw last year in his whole career. He's a strike thrower. He doesn't walk four guys in in three and a third innings, whatever the hell it was. So um, just uncharacteristic. He was missing in spots, running deep in counts. Uh, You know, I don't, He's not the high-end starter. Like he was just lined up to go opening day. Like you expect it out of Sale, Bayo, and Whitlock when they get back, and you just want he and Pavetta to keep you in the game. But he didn't do that yesterday.
1: So when you look at like, opening day losses, I mean, there are, there's a bunch of uh, examples of times when the Red Sox lost an opening day game and still won a championship. So uh, 2018 04 was another one. I have a feeling you don't think that this season is going to end quite like those did.
2: No, no. I mean nobody is, you know, good thing they're going to win a world series, you know, but they should be competitive and that's why I say there's a lot of good things. They could have lied down and lost that game 10 to 2, but I think their lineup, I think their lineup is good. Like I tweeted about it during the game and this is even when it was like 10 to 4, 10 to 3. It's like there's quality at bats there. There's a feeling that even if it's 7-8-9 coming up that a rally can start. Whereas last year, you're like, ah, this is an easy inning for the pitcher. Like, I feel like there's depth, there's good at bat, they can score runs, you know? So that was like a positive that came out of it. It's just, you know, you got to try to avoid getting to that bottom half of your, your bullpen early in games.
0: Lou Maloney with Gresham Foyer here on the Harbor One Hotline talking about the Red Sox. They lose yesterday on opening day, 10-9. to 9. Uh, Lou, I know that the World Baseball Classic opened up my eyes to Masataka Yoshida. Given what you thought you knew about him versus now what you think you know about him, how different are we from when we first saw him to here now that the season has started?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of opinions changed the minute they saw him. You know, and I know that mine changed in camp when I got to watch him for two or three days, just sort of follow him around and watch him take BP. And now it's just batting practice. But then it kind of, you know, it kind of showed up in the WBC. And it just sort of continues to just show up. So I think a lot of people that saw him in camp and watched him WBC kind of already, already had changed their opinions that this was going to be some leadoff hitter. Um, I don't know. Slap the ball in the gap like that's not him. He's a run producer. He likes to hit with guys on base, and he's got some juice. So, and he gives you a good quality at bat. Like he's pretty much as advertised from from people that kind of saw him early and throughout camp.
1: So, I want to get your opinion of uh, just all the bases that were stolen by the Orioles. Five in total. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I just saw another one just about an hour ago. Uh, still second, and I guess the precarious. Unfair position, I feel like, or helpless position the catcher is in based on how people are taking advantage of the pitch clock.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a simple math problem. Um, You know, catchers they have pop times when they catch the ball and when the ball delivers to second base. And Reese McGuire is pretty good. Connor Wong is pretty good. Like they're in that one nine range. You know, the top, I mean, top ten, top fifteen in the league. They're pretty good throwing the ball, catching release. But it's a math problem when your pitcher. Is a one five to the plate because he's not paying attention, or he's got a huge leg kick, and you're a one nine. That's three point four. They're stealing that base all day, every day in the big leagues. It's a it's a simple math problem. Base runners know exactly what the pop time is of the catcher, and they know that if a pitcher's at a one four, one five, they can go all day, every day whenever they get a jump. Pitchers gave them absolutely no chance, and as you mentioned, they're running it down to zero, three, two. These guys are shuffle shuffle going. So it's. The Adjustment needs to be made, the
1: but isn't that what price. they wanted, Lou? I mean, this is the, you, when you look at last year's opening day. I feel like yeah. uh, the 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 success rate of bases stolen was like thirty six percent, and probably even lower than that. This year, in opening day, when you track all the different bases that were stolen, um, it's at like ninety one percent. Like it's absurd yeah. how often guys are stealing. So no, it's uh fifty six percent last year, sorry, and ninety one percent this year.
2: Yeah, it's what they wanted. They wanted more stolen bases, they wanted more singles, they wanted more action, they wanted more triples, they wanted more action. And yep. it's kind of it's it's what you got. That, that unless you walk nine guys, and think, and that, then it takes three hours and ten minutes. I mean, if it's a normal game, you are probably back to that two thirty five, two forty rate.
0: Lou Maloney with us. Uh, there's the rule. And then there's the mechanics of the pitch clock rule, and we saw Raphael Devers be the first guy in big league history to have that strike three called on him because of the rule. What do you make of the way that all went down, Lou? Because he was in the box, but he wasn't paying attention. The pitcher wasn't ready to go. Does Major League Baseball have to continue to look at this and either tweak it, ask the umpires for a little leeway. How do you go about massaging this? Because I know for one person who sent in a, a text to seven ninety 7, they said, oh, great. MLB took the bat out of the hands of a $300 million player yesterday.
2: Yeah, true, but the rules are the rules. Get ready. I mean, I understand what that guy's talking about, but, I mean, we've been here all spring training. You have eight seconds to be alert. I mean, you can either bitch about it, you know, or you can actually just adjust to it and just go play the game. I'm not a fan of it. I don't know how to fix it. I've talked to minor league managers, asked them why there needs to be eight-second alert, and it's like, well, you know, because the pitcher just can't sit there at 15 and throw the ball when the guy's not in the box or the guy's not looking up. You know, and they, have, they have a quick pitch. So now everything's like a reaction to a pitch clock. We have a pitch clock. Okay, what prevents them from just stepping off whenever he wants? Well, we can only have, let's call it two disengagements. Okay, good. Well, you know, he can just got to throw in the 15 seconds. Well, what happens if the hitter's not ready? Okay, the hitter's got to be alert at eight. If he's not alert, you can't deliver the pitch. Like, every action has a reaction. And you start getting into the weeds and go down the rabbit hole, and it's just like, really? Is this what we want? Like, the last three innings of a game or in the playoffs? I love the pitch clock. I just I don't know about this eight-second thing. Like, dude, if you're in the box, you're good. If you're in the box and you're not looking at the pitcher and he throws it, You'll adjust, trust me. Nobody likes seeing 97 come by their eyes without looking.
0: Lou, do you think the way, remember when they put in the rule and a catcher's blocking the plate, and then I yeah. think it was like, what, 50 games in, Joe Torre had to come out and be like, okay, here's how we're going to tweak it unintended consequences or whatever. Do you think major league baseball is so steadfast in the way this is structured that they wouldn't look tweaking it like they have other rules in the past or will baseball remain open to potentially feedback? Or if they find the flaw within the way they've set it up, that they would go back in and close a loophole or fix it.
2: Yeah. I hope that they kind of, they do it. Yeah. I hope they go back and they look at some things, you know, um, for me, a simple one was, even from the very beginning, I was really surprised that there wasn't a buffer like season with the time. I was really surprised that year one wasn't 20 seconds all the way around or 20 and 24 all the way around. You know what I mean? Try to shave like 15 minutes off of a baseball game and then see how it goes, do some data, do some research, and then say, okay, next year it's going to be 15 seconds because, you know, 20 seconds with a man on base seems to be fine. But the 15 seconds with nobody up, everybody just sort of, the hitter, everybody's sort of like, you know, kind of rushed a little bit. Um, so I hope that they they look at it. You know, I, I don't know the adjustments. It's a little more complicated. It's not that simple. I think right. you just kind of talk it through. Like how does the hitter avoid the eight seconds? Well, if he's in the box, well, can he put his hand up? And if he puts his hand up and you get down to four seconds, now the pitcher's at a disadvantage because he's got to throw it. So it's a little more complicated. But adjustments need to be made. Just a little bit of the tweaks, I think. The, the idea is just to have him throw the freaking ball quicker, and, you know, and it works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the lengths yeah. they've had to go through to speed this up is amazing. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right, though. So, hey, you know, Lou, I meant to mention this to you. Yeah. So, I know, like you and, and Gresh are good friends of uh, Dan Shaughnessy. I yeah. feel like you know we all you know have a problem. Well, I know I do now, you know, because he he's stealing your average Al name. Did you re- did you see this in his article no. in the Globe? He's calling no. Alex Verdugo, Average Al. I would somebody needs to oh. somebody needs to contact him and mention that mm. that name was already you know trademarked by one Lou Merloni for Al Horford. But it was
0: only trademarked for one
1: player in one yeah, sport. I don't know, Lou. I don't know. I need a ruling from you, bud.
2: You know, that's okay, because I saw somebody walking their dog the other day doing a video. Oh, uh, you're,
0: <laughs> you're stealing all your stuff, I did. Lou. I did 15 seconds to bust Fourier's balls, no, and yeah. now it's like, oh, yeah, you're yeah. stealing Lou's gimmick. I'm like, no, I'm yeah, you, on vacation, and Fourier said to needle him a little bit. I'm like,
2: there <laughs> we go. I mean, you know, you're just, you're just no more radio show, and everybody just starts stealing your stuff. Yeah, you know <laughs> I mean, you're not here you to know. protect
1: it, Lou. Hey, Lou, Lou real quickly, we had a quick Otani talk, okay? Yeah. Uh, yep. ooh, Close ooh. it out with this. Thoughts on him, free agency, what that number would be, and do you think the Red Sox uh, should go in on that? I
2: think they absolutely should go in on that. I think every big market team absolutely should go in on that. It's going to be one of the riskier deals because you're not only paying for a hitter, which I think a lot of people feel like is a little bit safer bet, but now you're also paying for the pitcher. And, you know, another Tommy John, now there's concerns, more elbow problems. So it's like, you know, you're not paying $35 million, you're paying $45. I I don't know what that deal is going to look like. I really don't because there's marketing involved. I mean, hell, you bring in Otani and you got Yoshida over here. I mean, all of a sudden now, you know, there's other players in Japan that want to play in Boston, the media, the money that comes in. So it's a huge revenue stream. Everybody should be in on him. But it will be extremely risky because you're, playing, you're paying for a guy to, you know, if, if you stay healthy as a hitter and a pitcher.
0: Lou, last thing from me. Uh, the video of the new Red Sox clubhouse is out. Could, yeah. could 1999 or 2000 Lou Marloni have ever envisioned that the dump that you were changing your jock and socks in turned into yeah. that?
2: Well, uh, yeah, no, no, by the way, quick answer. You know, I didn't, I wasn't at opening day, you know, because I wasn't doing the ga- any of the games on radio or TV. Yep. So I saw the videos and it was just too cold for me to just go in and enjoy the day. So, um, I watched it on my couch, but I can't get over the videos that I saw, oh. like the way that locker room looks and they've even like without that, like the last few years, it looks so much better and bigger and nicer with this here. This looks amazing. It's beautiful.
0: It is pretty cool. Somebody would be hooking up a, uh, a PlayStation or a, uh, or an Xbox to some of those TVs up there. I want who's oh, going to, sure. who's
1: going to rip one of those TVs down first. Let's take, <laughs> let's take bets.
0: <laughs> It'll, Someone's gonna, it down. you know what with the with all the improvements they made i'm gonna guess it's somebody with money a rookie pitcher ain't tearing it down but chris sale might take a swipe at yeah. it if uh it,
2: it does seem like a dangerous spot for a guy to come in with a bat in his hand oh dangerous. that is a good that is a good you know,
0: point lou the great well, lou maloney with us every friday here breaking down baseball lou we appreciate you buddy thank you no more videos from me friend and we'll uh, talk to you next week
2: all right, boys. Have a great weekend. There Thanks we go. It.
0: There goes our buddy uh, Lou Maloney breaking it all down. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. It's